our time together is called A Contemplation of the Gospel of the Cross, of Jesus' dying on the cross, the Christ crucifixion. As soon as you can, go ahead and put up 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. For I first delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So the centrality of the gospel, of course, you see, like in Matthew, you see up to 20, 20 chapters, and then 21 starts all the way to 28. And it's all about the, la- the last third of the Bible is all about the Passion Week, Jesus' triumphal entry. Somebody yesterday in the workplace, uh, I visit sometimes, it was Thursday, they said, hey, isn't this when Jesus had his last supper? I said, yes, when he sat with his disciples. Luke 22, 19, 20 says this. You can read this one with me. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, I've said this before, but this is time, just time to refocus all this. The average person hanging on the cross literally took six days to die. But because Jesus offered his blood, he bled out in six hours. He released the power of his blood. And this is what the whole point is. The precise medical term of how Jesus died is traumatic hemorrhage shock. He died because of a quick and massive amount of blood. It wasn't like any other crucifixion. Because Jesus, somebody just say, thank you, Lord. He came to give himself. He suffered and bled for us. So as we come to the Good Friday service, we contemplate Jesus' death. I want us to look at Hebrews 12, 3 through 4. It says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Everybody just say this one. In your struggle against your sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The Bible is very specific about his suffering versus our suffering. How many of you have some degree of suffering in your life? Aren't you glad Jesus carried it to the cross? And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. The whole point is that it's a substitutionary atonement. He comes and carries it. In fact, we are actually told in, in Paul's theology in Romans 6.6, 6, he says this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Many of you have been water baptized, and you know what the picture of that is. You go down into the waters as the grave with Jesus, and you die. 
And then you're risen back up, raised back up from the, the grave. It's a picture of him. Paul said it so beautifully in Galatians 2.20. Let's make this our confession today. Just read it with me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so what do we put to death? Well, we put to death a lot of things. How how many of you have had something that Jesus has helped you by his spirit and his power to put something to death in your life? It's through this it's this, this exchange. This, you, this won't, he says, I want to encourage you to come to the cross. And look, you can't put stuff to death very well, but you're told to anyway. That's why I love the idea of heaven, because the struggle with your sinful nature is no longer there. It's no longer there. So I want to just take for a moment, and I want to pray one more time, and we're going to look at the statements that Jesus made when he was on the cross. And this won't take long, and then we'll get into our communion time and just be before the Lord. Would you lift your heads to the Lord? Just open your hearts. Open your hands. May the eyes of your understanding be be enlightened. I feel like the Holy Spirit just showed me the pressures of somebody's day are going to be released from them right now. They're just going to come off you. Whatever burden has been in the day... It's gone right now. Your spirit is attuned. You'll be able to receive what Jesus wants you to receive right now. You sense his love for you. You sense that burden gone. You sense that ruffledness of the... It could even be spiritual assault. It could just be the weariness of the spirit of the world. It could just be the weariness of the flesh. But in Jesus' name, it's gone. It's gone right now. It's gone. Let's praise him. It's gone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Our hearts are exploding with appreciation, Jesus, for who you are and what you are to us. Everybody said amen. Amen. So Jesus, it's compiled in the different gospels. All the gospels deal with the Jesus hanging on the cross. But you pick this thing that he said from this gospel and you pick this thing that he said from this gospel and you can put them in an order and when you look in that order we see that we relate to the very things he says on the cross he actually speaks seven things that help us aren't you happy about that even on the cross Jesus is teaching and ministering and demonstrating and the first thing we all need Luke 23 34 Jesus is on the cross. His attention is to the sinners who are crucifying him. His attention is on the forgiveness of those who are crucifying him. His attention is on the people who are crucifying him. Have you ever been being put down in a way? The Holy Spirit, and it says this, he prays a prayer. He doesn't say, I forgive you. He doesn't even say, I forgive you. Jesus himself leans upon the Father to do it. So he asks for the Father's great forgiveness to flow. He's modeling something for us. Can you let the Father's great forgiveness flow through you? Not just to you, but through you. 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgiveness. It's the first thing that he says on the cross. It's the key. And it's, it's the, the power of forgiveness that overthrows so much that assaults and harasses and hassles us all of our lifetime. Isn't that true? And we're going to come in a few minutes and be able to turn on some beautiful meditational music and we'll have the, the grape and the, as we do on Good Friday and the cracker. And I want you to be listening to the Lord for what He's going to say in your heart about one from these seven things. Now, I know the Holy Spirit, you do too pretty well, that He doesn't have to need anything that I say to go ahead and talk to you. He just seems to choose times when he has one of his servants talking that he'll also interject. And so be listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance. It could be very simply the reality that maybe you need to forgive somebody. And when you come to communion, it'll go deeper than it did before. Are you there? How many of you found out it's not a one-time job? Let's look at the next statement on the cross. This is Luke 23, 20, 43. Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Your eternal salvation with Jesus starting here and beyond this life is upon that cross. And this is why we've been praying all this time for people to come to know the Lord. Some of them, and the beautiful thing about this is that there were two, two criminals, one on each side. Criminal who was one of the criminals says in Luke, it says, who were hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And here they're, they're, they're dying for their sins. He says, We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I don't know how many deathbed, probably could count them on my hand really if I think about it, but deathbed repentances, last minute moments where somebody's heart and some of the people that we're praying for and that you've been praying for will come to know the Lord probably at your funeral. They'll come to know the Lord at some point because you've claimed them. Hallelujah. So salvation is, is the Lord's. How many of you really appreciate the fact that you're saved? Let's look at the, the third thing. This is amazing. John mentions this because he's involved. John 19, 26 through 27. Jesus still has the mental clarity to give an assignment to John. And he says it with these words. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Eight words. Everybody say Belonging. How many of you have had a spiritual relationship that meets something inside of you? Because we walk along together. There are going to be people in your life that are not sheep. They're goats. 
They'll just want to hang around you to eat whatever garbage you give them. And then go spread it around and tell everybody. But there are some people who are walking into the kingdom of God who are not gossips. Who cherish one another. Who cherish the relationships. How many of you know love covers a multitude of sins? Aren't you glad for people who believe in you even when you messed up? Because you belong. You belong in a family. And he was instructed to care for. I don't even know what. Jesus could have said, your, your, son, your sons after me. Because one of them wrote the book of Jude. One of them wrote the book of James. Why couldn't they have taken care of her? Jesus trusted the spiritual capacity of John. And when you grow up in the faith, there are certain people that you'll identify that this person will be faithful and do it as unto Jesus. Is that what you want to grow into? How many of you the Lord has given you a relationship that's life-begetting, that draws you to the Lord? This is, uh, and we receive this through Jesus Christ in one another. Number four, Matthew 27, 46 says this. Matthew 15, 34 says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So here's the, here's the real treasure of this. Jesus knows the feelings of great abandonment and being forsaken. Everybody in the room knows the feelings of abandonment and being forsaken. Everybody here understands the depth of loneliness to your soul. There's nothing that Jesus cannot relate to completely. He knows what it's like to not feel connected to Father God. When anybody says, I feel so disconnected from God, Jesus is the one that can go right to him and says, I know how that feels. I relate to that. Because of the immense pain that he had, the suffering he went through, one aspect of that, and this is the most amazing thing to me in Psalm 22, verse 1. He, uh, there's other things. He quotes that, my God, my God, why is He quotes that right in the beginning of Psalm 22. Uh, another pa uh, exhortation, or should say a prophetic uh, statement in Psalm 22, verse 60. It says, a company of ev evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. David, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, writes this down in a psalm, picturing Jesus in the future. Listen to this, verse 18. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothes they cast lots. By the Holy Spirit's revelation gift, Jesus is seen prophetically. Everybody say abandonment. If you have an issue, a root, a bitter root issue with abandonment, it is my faith in the Lord as you take communion and the blood goes to that place that he'll break that abandonment from your soul. There's another area. Jesus said another thing, the fifth thing he said. Everybody say, I thirst. I thirst. This is a man in distress. Jesus is distressed because his blood, his fluids, his bodily fluids have run out. He's parched. He's, having to, he's got some more things to say, but he can hardly say them because he needs something to moisten his throat. Everybody can relate at some point to having to go get a glass of water because the pressures are great and you can hardly talk. Is that right? He understands distress. He understands your fears. 
he understands that in a way that it's like this it's like abandonment in a way but there's a sense of distress and and uh, the reason he drank in the beginning he didn't drink because it was they were offering something to lessen the pain and he rejected that he rejected that the only reason he wanted something to, to drink at this moment is so he could say some things so Psalm 69 21 says for my thirst that they gave me soured wine to drink that's to fulfill scripture he drank it to fulfill scripture everything Jesus did he fulfilled the word and of course so that I mentioned that he could talk he needed to say something how many of you need living water how many of you have been under pressure in a spiritual sense and you don't know what to do, but when you pray in the Spirit, you move into the Lord and the Lord refreshes your spirit and you know what to do and you can speak. The sixth thing that he says is John nineteen thirty. Let's all say it together. It is finished. There's triumph. When you go through something, there's always triumph. He needed a little water so he could yell out, Tetelestai is the word. It means it is accomplished. Notice Jesus didn't say, I'm finished. He said what? It. It is finished. The payment for our sins is paid in full. The stamp paid in full is declared by Jesus on the cross. Somebody just praise the Lord. You're never going to add to that payment. You can't be good enough to add anything to that payment. This is completely Jesus' payment for us. And from here on out, the rest of your life, you'll be completely dependent on him saying, it's finished. It's finished. No matter what you're facing, I've already dealt with it. It's finished. No matter what you're going through, it's finished. I took care of it. It's finished. It's always finished when Jesus, with, because he's already done, taking care of it. It may not look like it's taken care of yet, but it's finished. And all the resources you'll ever need, it's already done. Let's praise him. He said it on the cross. He said it on the cross. He didn't say it after he was resurrected. He said it on the cross. And the last thing he says, Luke 23, 46, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Everybody say reunion. The whole reason you receive the forgiveness in the first statement is that you'll have this moment in the last statement. <laughs> and all the rest of them deal with everything along the way. And he says it's amazing because he's quoting scriptures again. Psalm 31, 5 it actually says, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. But Jesus adds this to it. He says, Father. He adds to it, Father or Abba, Abba, into your hands I commit my spirit. And there's going to come a moment in your life. I remember, I didn't get to be there. But my, my mother went to be the Lord. My, my brother told her. She was actually on her deathbed, and I showed up, and uh, she got out of the death, off the deathbed and went home. And the nurse said, who in the world was that? She says, that's her son. And uh, I was, got to play Jesus for a little bit. But then after I left that week, the next week, they were in the hospital room. And the peace of God came over my mother. And in her final breaths, went from this life into the arms of Jesus. And she committed herself to him. And there will come a moment when you do that. When I do that. Because we walk in the faith. That Jesus has given us. Honey I want to ask if you would come. As I said before. I wanted to ask you if you would pay attention. To. Listen it's.
It has to do with all those seven things. If there's a sense of forgiveness needed, if there's a sense of abandonment he wants to deal with, if there's a sense of distress in your life, a sense of him wanting to in, include you in, a, in something. How many of you, are, you, you resonate with some of this? Go ahead and stand with me. This is your private communion time. Let's go ahead and start coming down. Just everybody. It doesn't matter from where. You don't have to be in big order or anything because it's not that many of us. Take the, be- the bread. This is my body. Take a grape. If you need two grapes, a double portion, I think I will. The Bible speaks of the blood of the grape. The blood of the grape. Feel free to come to the altar. I'm going to wait until all served and I'm going to just pray a prayer of us. I just felt the Lord say that to me. This is humble our hearts before Him. I sensed just a moment ago the Holy Spirit said, I want you to invite me to fall upon, to come and brood upon everybody's heart. So let's do that right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Come as the spirit of adoption. Come as the spirit of healing. Come as the spirit of freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring about what you want in our hearts in this moment. Hallelujah. This is your time with him.